Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. Pre-show announcements. I'm going to keep it quick. I promise. I'm really going to keep it quick this time. Got some pre-show announcements pertaining to a shout-out and also what is happening on today's episode. A shout-out from YouTube. On episode 174, Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids, we had Lauren Jeffrey on YouTube responded saying, This scarred me for life and I'm still scared by it to this day. The beetles that were in the popcorn bag were actually spiders along with flies, worms, and slugs on occasion. Yes, this show was definitely terrifying. I cannot imagine having watched this as a kid. There's definitely some gruesome moments and it's very weird. Lauren, thank you so much for your comment. Greatly appreciated. A lot of you have recommended cartoons over social media or in our YouTube comments. Do you want to recommend a cartoon to us? Super easy. Go to our social media, click the link, and there's a button that says submit your suggestion. It's a Google form. I kept it very simple. Or call us, 202-681-4406. This ensures that you get the proper shout-out included in that episode, and I will 100% review the cartoon that you suggest. What's going on today? Last July, we discussed She-Ra, Princess of Power, with Lura Barber and Ryan Kroll. Since then, a lot has happened. Netflix has rebooted the show with She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Yes, plural princesses. It was successful, and the second season is getting ready to come out at the end of this month. So I'm bringing the band back together. That's right. Lura and Ryan have both returned to talk about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power so that we can chat all about fashion, internet trolls, and why this new take on She-Ra is so damn good. All of this and more. So now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you all the way from Etheria again, <laughs> I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis. Joining us for Christmas when she was five years old, she was given a full She-Ra costume. Please welcome back performer and director, Lura Barber. Welcome back, Lura. Thank you, Sean. Really a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I don't know how to take this right now. It's, I felt or condescension. 100% sincere. Oh my God. Your diction is perfect for this. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. Also, joining us this evening, because you can hear him giggling in the background, returning to the show and promising that, quote, fabulous secrets will be revealed. Please welcome back <laughs> performer and podcaster, Ryan Kroll. Welcome back, Ryan. <laughs> By the power of gay skull, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> on brand. 100% oh, so on brand. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, if you would like to hear gems like that previously, you can always go back and you can check out Episode 213, back in July, we had that opportunity to be able to talk about the original She-Ra. A lot has happened since then regarding the franchise, everything that's included. We're back to talk about it tonight, not to actually revisit and talk and discuss about season one per se, but kind of to also help you get excited about season two that's going to be coming out in the future also want to give a quick shout out to another show that I have been fortunate to be a guest on that Ryan is actually a co-host on, which is Homo Superior. You can check out, they did an extra issue 
uh, episode back in December of 2018, where we actually had a chance to kind of really kind of dissect a lot about She-Ra. We're going to get into some of these things tonight, so mm-hmm. you can definitely go and check out Homo Superior for that extra issue. It was a ton of fun to be on that show, but we are going to get very serious about She-Ra this evening. Are you ready? Oh, my God. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, God. Oh, my oh. God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that was the wrong question. <laughs> or it was I'm, the right question. Oh, okay. I, let's get in mm. it. Yeah. So I had mentioned that we are obviously returning to Etheria, and we're going to talk a little bit um, about, uh, obviously, She-Ra, Netflix's She-Ra, and the Princesses of Power. And so... In anticipation for this show, I really kind of wanted to get what your initial snap impression was of the new She-Ra as you were hearing about it on the internet before you had actually sat down to watch this on Netflix. Laura, what was your snap impression? Well, Sean, I think that I saw a poster or like a poster type image and um, I really loved the style of the animation. I loved that the characters were recognizable. Um, and the sense that I got kind of being a a person on the internet was that this was getting a lot of blowback from kind of Gamergate type of dudes who were like, you know, oh, the She-Ra's not hot anymore. Like the kind of people who want to boycott Ghostbusters because the Ghostbusters are women. Yeah. You know, that's what I was really, I think it was the overwhelming kind of since I had culturally of the impact of this and, you know, and on the same, by the same token, there's probably, I probably saw some tumblers that were like, yes, like this is representation. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's my impression. No, absolutely. Um, I, when I first saw the first images, I was, uh, it, it really didn't even look like She-Ra to me. So I was a little taken aback by that, but I enjoyed the imagery. Right. So I enjoyed the style of it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed what I was seeing, but it, uh, initially I didn't feel like it was She-Ra at all. Really? Um, which, yeah, I, I could recognize what some characters were, but some were such enigmas to me that I couldn't, I, I was like, oh, so there must be an, a, a lot, like a lot of new cast. I was very confused by it, mm, uh, but mm. I like I, She-Ra I, in name only. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. I thought it yeah, was yeah. a completely new interpretation and with, we didn't get too much info about it early on. Right. So I was a little worried, but there was so much blowback from the internet already that I, I was just excited to actually see, <laughs> see it be good because mm-hmm. I wanted them to prove that shit. Right. 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 You wanted it, it to be so really mad. good. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you could tell they were trying to do something that was really cool and very different mm-hmm. and going for something. And I like that. Yeah. No. A point of view. Yeah. Right. And I think, Ryan, for, for frame of reference for everybody, if they were looking at that initial image, it was, I believe, of She-Ra in full transformation, kind of soared aloft above mm-hmm. her head. Yeah. And I believe that that was one of the promo pictures. And so, you know, there's definitely in terms of fashion and styling, there's some changes that the character mm-hmm. has gone through in terms of possibly shoulder pads as well as also sort of the the boy shorts that she's wearing. Those boy shorts got so much blowback. Yeah. And you're like, she is fighting people. Let her not wear like skimpy fit. Like, come on. I, I really hate when you when you play any type of like a video game and they're like, yeah, the level 100 armor for this female character doesn't protect any of her actual, like only protects like 
bathing suit area bits. It's and you're true. like, who it's, gives a shit? She's a warrior. So let, let, let me outrageous. put this in like a real life example, sure. which is that Serena Williams wore a bodysuit to play in. I forget. Maybe it was the French Open. And part of the, the function of this bodysuit was that it helps prevent blood clots by helping return the blood up from your legs, which is good because she had a really traumatic birth experience. Right. And this is a medical situation, but it's also a fierce as fuck black bodysuit to be wearing to play tennis. And then the officials said like, no, you can't wear that to play tennis as a woman. You have to wear a skirt. And like tennis is a place where the traditions of dress are rooted in some very questionable yeah. things. Those right. gender roles are very still much right, apart. Right, right. But yeah. you see, like, the men wear shorts. The You know, women are yeah. always wearing the tennis skirts. Anyway, I just wanted to draw a real-life comparison here to, like, the standards of dress that maybe aren't necessarily about function or about women being badasses, right? Uh, on a side yeah. note to that first imagery, um, she had so much fucking hair. That would not be great to oh. fight with. That was like 17 wigs but, stacked on top of but each other. But her hair outrageous. is like a Beyonce mid-concert kind of look where the fan is going yeah. all the time. Yeah. You I know, think it's its own creature. Correct. And you know she's going to be doing a lot of like hairography during like a mm, lot of like Like defining. a lot of fights. There's a lot of like yeah. hair tossing yeah. and bending and snapping. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see that more actually. Yeah. Yeah, if there's one quibble I have, <laughs> not enough hairyography yeah. yes. in the new She-Ra by Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna we we're gonna have to ask for more hairography. <laughs> in Dear Noel Stevenson, exactly. I'd like some hair. Is it hairography or hairography? It's a, and there's no why. I don't believe it's it's just hairography. I'm gonna call it hairography. Well, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna, <laughs> well, that actually I think is something else, and yeah, I am into that. That's yeah. Harry like, Potter choreography. <laughs> That's just hairy dudes dancing, and we're all here for oh, it. Give me more. <laughs> oh, There's man. just a second puberty happening here. In, in I, just, I think it's crazy because I, you know, I had the, I had the original, I had the snap impression as well of this looks interesting. It looks different. I'm very excited mm-hmm. about it. Uh, at no point in watching any He-Man, She-Ra, or even newly rebooted He-Man or She-Ra episode, have I ever thought, oh, these characters aren't sexy enough. These characters, and I think Lura had described this previously when we had talked about fashion back in July for She-Ra, everybody is dressed in here like they're in some kind of BDSM club uh, with a latex fetish at certain points. I felt like this reboot was sort of giving everybody sort of their own fashion, their own branding, their own ability to have those sort of different uh, characterizations of what they were doing and, and appreciation for the fact that we live in a very diverse world and people are going to look different. They're going to have different body types and they're going to have different powers and abilities and, and don't pigeonhole them just because of that one, you know? Yeah. Plus, I mean, I mean, they're half the time they're like just going to the goddamn market to get some stuff for like, you know, swift wind or whatever and then they're in like a fucking like leather harness and you're like that doesn't make any sense like compared to the old series right it makes no sense anymore yeah so i i think that you know the show has come a long way i felt that the the initial blowback that we've mentioned has been very negative from the internet i'm very proud and very happy to see that everything that has actually come to fruition with the show i felt really proved them wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in research of this i think that there was something around 184 reviews on IMDb for this show, and it still had over an eight 
I think 0.5 rating, which means that people are really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. They're, they're obviously, they're going to be people who have difference of opinions. And we'll talk about those a little bit later on. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody listening or anybody who watched the show and didn't like it that their opinions are wrong. That's fine. You know, you can have those opinions, but at the same time, this is here. It's coming in for a second season. Buckle up, get ready for it. Get your sword out. No BDSM leather harness necessary this time. You should be enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It should be a, a show that everybody can enjoy. And if you don't, don't worry about it. There's thousands of other cartoons that are out right now. Lots of fuckable cartoons out there. Oh for my you. god! Just roll thirty four this episode really <laughs> early on. You knew what this was? Yeah. <laughs> One day I will do something I can send my parents a link to. <laughs> Today is not that day. <laughs> and one day we keep teasing about the idea that we will one day finally do a child-friendly episode. Uh, but that day is bitch, never going to be. Not when I'm on it. This is not your daughter's cartoon <laughs> podcast. Between her sex and me cursing, you'll never get it between us. <laughs> oh, my God. It's Fucking BDSM <laughs> sex pop situations. Uh, I love that you had to read it, read it like you were Midwestern. Like this BDSM. You know, it's wonderful. I contain multitudes, Sean. I know, and I'm I'm telling you right now, I appreciate it. So, thank you, thank you. If you are not familiar with Netflix's Shira and the Princesses of Power, let's get into it because Ooh. it is an American animated web television series developed by Noelle Stevenson and produced by DreamWorks Animation Television. It premiered on November 13th, 2018 on Netflix. The second season will be released April 26th of this year. So get ready. It's only a couple weeks away. (gasps) Development and production of the series began concurrently in April of 2016. Showrunner Noelle Stevenson initially pitched it to Netflix on the assumption of creating only one season. But in November of 2018, she had said, now we have four arcs of 13 episodes done so that's great so we've got Is that four yeah. seasons yeah four potential Ooh. seasons so that Ooh. that means that when we're done with the one at the end of the month end of april we still probably have two more seasons to go after that no wow. which i love that she's writing this with an end in mind she's not just writing this to continue to go like this is going to go someplace this is going to have some finality she's to it planner. at some point you yeah definitely tell i love that i i've mentioned this uh, to Laura and Ryan, but for everybody else, I just have such a creator's crush on Noelle Stevenson. She is such a joy. If I would, you are listening, I would love to hang out with you. <laughs> I would love to be your Where friend. Where does she live? Where do you think? I'm assuming California. Oh. Guys, this is gonna get stalkery. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm making an assumption. I have no I have no actual idea. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Shira is actually created using traditional animation with the exception of some computer animation that they use for complicated machinery. So the series uh, has been well received by critics who praise it for its diverse cast and portrayal of Shira's relationship with her friend and rival Katra. It was nominated for a Glad Media Award for Outstanding Kids and Family Programming last year. So really, really excellent. Greg, I'm just I'm I'm happy to see that something like this exists. Uh, but if I wanted to know a little bit more about the synopsis, because maybe there's some some differences, maybe there's some similarities to the OG Shira. Laura and Ryan are both going to help us with a little bit of the plot synopsis. All right, Shira and the Princesses of Power follows Adora, an orphan raised by the Horde, an evil army led by Hordak. 
who rules the planet Etheria with an iron fist. One day, after getting lost in the woods, Adora finds a magic sword that transforms her into the titular princess of power, Shira. After realizing the suffering that the Horde has inflicted on Etheria and its inhabitants, Adora joins the resistance in the fight against the Horde through rebuilding the Princess Alliance, a group of other magical girls that once all opposed Hordak. Adora's newfound allegiance to the Resistance pits her against her former best friend, Katra, whose sense of abandonment, malicious ambitions, and disappearance of her former friend enables her to rise the ranks of the Horde to become the new heroine's mortal enemy. Right. So there's a lot of similarities between what we have from mm-hmm. the original She-Ra of her being a force captain for Hordak's army, her eventually kind of leaving and coming to this realization that she has a bigger destiny that's at play. Uh, so those things are really kind of, you know, hold true. Totally. I don't know, and I can't remember if maybe for the original, if there was really that sort of close-knit relationship with Katra. No, there was not. There was it not. was not present at all. They really built out the Katra character, which is, I think we'll get into a little bit later, but like it's so interesting that they did that. And also just they build out the supporting cast to almost mm-hmm. not make it just about She-Ra right. like it was. Mm-hmm. And kudos to Noelle because it's it, you can see that they she mm-hmm. tried to make a full cast, which was nice. Yeah, it's I think mm-hmm. she really rounded out and created a lot of very distinct characters instead of sort of doing a, a Princess of the Week idea, which is still prevalent in some cases, but it's not the focus of this show. Yeah. But what I do want to focus on in this show is probably one of my favorite parts of every discussion that we enter into, <laughs> which is talking a little bit about the theme song. And so, Lura, I wanted to get your impressions about what you felt for the theme song for She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. It's a bit tricky for me because, Sean, you're giving me this look like very, it's not I'm, tricky. I'm very curious to see where this goes. So there's this emotional component, I feel, with the OG She-Ra, oh. right? Like the like that Panavision intro. It's like ding. Oh, with the filmation. Oh, filmation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's uh, you know, the music, the images, the power of Grayskull. Um that said, this new theme song bangs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's totally. really good. I would if it came on at a club or a bar, I would dance. Um, and it's really uh you know, the others, the old song is like, She-Ra, She-Ra. But this one is like, all right, friends, we're like out. We're going to fight. We're going to win. There's no other option but yeah. to go out and kick ass. And it's very much like a, like you could imagine just being on the dance floor with your friends and being like, yes, us, that's us. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It is so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, it, the first one was catchy. The OG was catchy. She-Ra, She-Ra. I mean, we mm-hmm. all sing it. But like this one is like actually fun. <laughs> I actually do want a mashup of like both mm-hmm. of them together because I think it would be phenomenal. Ooh. It would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know, that might be your first Saturday morning cartoons meme. Oh. Yeah. If I only knew a couple DJs. Oh, my God. I wish I knew could, less. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I'm being serious. We do know a couple of yeah, DJs. Yeah, no, I know way too many DJs. <laughs> this yeah. would be great to be able to put this together. It, it was Ready truly to great. Fight. I really enjoyed it. Oh, 
I love like that weird just there's Christina of, Aguilera riff that Chris, goes off. Yeah, there's a vocal riff that oh. Ryan and I both love. Oh, lived the, in an inverse proportion to the degree to which we can sing it. <laughs> it's it's such a good song to like wake up and listen to. Like, oh, mm. you know what? That should become my alarm ring, my alarm tone. It's good. It would motivate right? you for the day because it does tell you the story. There is no other option. We will win. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do this. We're the champions. We're the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's very uplifting. It really is. Mm-hmm. I do. Um. So I I watched this a couple of times, and the second time I did skip the intro, and I think that was the wrong choice. I feel like you it should was. listen to it every single time. <laughs> listen mm-hmm. to it. Enjoy it. Live in it. Rev. It's relish. twenty seconds long. Yeah. And there's cute animation oh God. yeah their friends are hugging oh people are like jumping through like water and so it's mm-hmm. so fun yeah no so i i love the fact that it is dedicated animation uh you don't necessarily what do you mean by dedicated animation so i mean that uh you will never see this animation in the theme song recycled into an actual episode so yes. they didn't so they didn't take animation from an episode and decide to recycle it into a theme song mm-hmm uh, like to kind of cut behind everything, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of give mm-hmm. you uh, like a roll call or an introduction to some of the characters. Is this like a status thing? Is this like a high status move? Uh, no, I think what it is is in, in many cases, it's it's your first impression of a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's your first impression of this piece of art, this show. It's your introduction to it. And so I think in many cases, putting your best foot forward and you know, if you're able to, if you have the budget, if you have the time, if you have the money to be able to create something special, if that first impression is going to be the theme song, let's let's make it worthwhile. You know, let's really make an impression. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting because very similar to the original Shira, which did not actually begin with that Shira Shira theme song, they actually had sort of a male-dominated voice in the original that sort of led you into the show. In this case, they actually had not something that was similar, but they didn't actually have the theme song because Adora hadn't really become Shira yet, which is a parallel to what happened in the original show. Mm-hmm. And so it took, I think, maybe three or four episodes to actually be able to to get that theme song from the beginning. So I, I love the fact that you can kind of see some mm-hmm. of that parallel, some of that planning. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I'm just, I'm such a big planner that for me, it's all about intention, and I felt that that was inherent in a lot of what they were doing with the theme song itself. So dedicated animation, I love that because it's something that you can you can watch and visually, as we've said, like there are you know there's a little bit of kind of like a battle sequence. You sort of get this sort of non-named roll call of a lot of these characters. You sort of see some of these princesses in action. You see some of their their powers. The song from uh, Aaliyah Rose, like you said. It bangs. It's great. It's very girl rock oriented and it's wonderful. I have been, I was at a Whole Foods earlier today and I was whistling it while I was at the cash register. And I'm pretty sure the guy was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm having a great time. <laughs> like back off, you know? So I, I really think that, uh, I really think that this is a great roll call, you know, because yeah. of, the, of, of the visuals, the the music. Again, I think it's always hard because it's challenging to get a named roll call where you show a lot of these characters and then you kind of throw up their names and they get that title card. Yeah. That didn't happen, but that's fine because the lyrics for the song are great. And, and just to kind of give you an impression or an idea of what we're working with, it actually starts with we're on the edge of greatness, uh, turning darkness to light. And so that's, 
in two lines, you've sort of encapsulated and distilled a majority of what this entire journey is mm-hmm. going to be over 13 episodes for Adora, you know, is really kind of saying, I've, I've been raised in, a, in an abusive, terrible relationship with the Horde, and I finally decided that, oh, I have to turn darkness to the light. I, I can go fight for these other people. Like, I've got something bigger that I can do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just every part of it, I love singing along with this when it's playing. So I, I'm, I'm having a hard time saying anything negative about it because I'm enjoying it so the much. The only negative I have about this song and the intro just in general is like when they were showing these characters, I was like, where the fuck is that princess? Because I just wanted to see them immediately. I was like, where is Mermesta? Or like Mermista? Yeah. Yeah, Mermista. I, I, I just wanted to see them immediately. Right. But it makes I, you I've, excited for the show, which is mm-hmm. what it should do. Right. You know, I found it exciting to know that I had not met all the princesses yet and that the next episodes were going to be. And then, of course, an episode would start and a new princess would appear and i was like yep there she is question for you guys would you like to see a different intro next season yes i would like Mm. different animation same song different animation same song i could go either way okay like i'll trust the creator yeah you know i'll trust her to do anything i love her Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I think that, you know, what she's done so far with this theme song is great. Yeah. If she decides to change it up, I, you know, I want to get on board with it. The, the, the big cartoon that I think of that's out right now that I watch a lot of is Ruby mm. um, from Rooster Teeth. And every single season, they do a different girl rock power ballad as their intro. And they're, you know, and I have, I have particular seasons that I like more than I like the others. Mm -hmm. But that's fine because all the songs are good and they kind of tell the story about what's going to happen for that season anyway. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's going so fast and it really is sort of like a power ballad Mm -hmm. uh, that I I miss some of it sometimes. And so it might, as uh, Laura was saying, it might go a couple episodes and then I might all of a sudden dawn on me that that particular lyric was matching up with that particular theme and idea that they're playing with in that episode. And I'm like, Oh, that it's been there the whole time and mm-hmm. I didn't realize it. So I can go either way. Again, I, I got to, I, nothing more than what Ryan said. I'm going <laughs> to go with what the creator decides for, totally. for season two. And maybe, maybe uh, Noel Stevenson will do something like um, the creators of the wire where there are five mm. seasons, every season, same song, different performer, Love different it. images. Love. And yes, I am bringing the wire into this discussion yes. of She-Ra. Yikes. <laughs> because this is a She-Ra for the age of prestige television. You guys, after this, please that's, check that's, out Laura I, Barber's a, podcast mm-hmm. on The Wire, where she discusses all seasons of The Wire. Yeah, where she compares all cartoons uh-huh. to The Wire. <laughs> so, um, Mermista is definitely Avon Barksdale. <laughs> and I'll explain why. On my podcast, <laughs> on the wire, available wherever podcasts are not sold because nobody would ever buy a podcast. <laughs> is I'm subscribing. Shadow Weaver is that Stringer Bell? <laughs> I will not get into this here because uh, you know what? Create your own content, you know Sean. What? I fair enough. We're doing that right now. So, right. any final thoughts about the theme song? Um. I'll be singing it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it at my funeral. And Shallow by Lady Gaga <laughs> and Bradley Cooper. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 
Uh, Ryan, we do not have the license. Laura, we do not have the license. I don't think I was close enough for you to have to worry about that. (laughs) Cease and desist letters say otherwise. (laughs) Something, something, try to fill that. Oh my God. It's under 10 seconds. It's fine. It's fine. That's true. We're under parody law, so we should be okay. But if you keep going, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We talked a little bit about this, about some of the the differences in terms of uh, fashion, which really kind of leads us to kind of understand uh, a little bit more about the animation style for this show. And so I wanted to sort of get your impression, Laura, about how you felt about the animation of this show. Uh, was there any contemporaries that this made you think of? What did you like and why? So I think that I am the member of this podcast that has is the least well-versed in animation styles. So I will say that this to me, the characters were very cute. You know, there's like a roundness. There's a cartoonishness in a way where I didn't feel like they were trying to replicate some sort of idealized adult body, which is what you see in the 80s She-Ra and He-Man where it's like, you know, like She-Ra's wearing this like basically like a corset, right? Right, It's like this old kind of fetish gear sort of silhouette. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really, uh, I, I loved the style that it's like fun. It's bright. The way the characters are drawn is very cute. And I think relatable in the, to like, they kind of look like kids, you know? Right. Not like five-year-olds, but like teenagers kind of. Right. So I find it, I just find it appealing and like kind of cozy. Um, and I love when, they see something they love and their eyes get big and like yeah. trembly. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, like their pupils tremble. Style, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know a lot about anime. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have, I've seen a couple episodes of Steven universe gave me that kind of vibe. Um, so that is my quasi informed yeah. opinion. No, 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 <laughs> that, no, that is good. So thank mm-hmm. you, Laura, Ryan, Impressions about animation style. As a huge Steven Universe fan, I uh, love, 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 love that show. And uh, I think it's, uh, they call it like thin lines or whatever. It's very clean. Um, As a huge comic book lover too, I love like a thin, very clean line around uh, your characters because sometimes it just gets crazy. Like action will be happening and it just is tough to follow, like figure out where you're supposed to look. From panel and, to panel, just that that you know kinetic or frantic energy can be very hard to trace. Exactly. Yes. So like this this helped me out with that a lot. Um, I I found it just honestly I found it disarming at first because I was not um similar to like Laura I was expecting to see a more adult style, but when you sort of introduce these more adult characters later, so like Glimmer's mom mm-hmm. and like Seahawk that are like arguably probably the more adult sort of older characters, they do look older. So I, I think they were trying to refocus this and to show that these are like youths trying to learn their way. And that's part of the story. Like they're basically saying like, this is a growing story for everyone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, really comes through as you're watching this is I know we're going to talk a bit later about sexuality, but I think, but I think there's also, there's a diversity of like a, it's not of sexuality. There's a diversity of bodies and there's a diversity of how those bodies are clothed. Right. 
you know, and, um, and it, and it tells you something about that character, um, in ways that it, that Noel Stevenson is using to like tell you something about that character rather than just being like, ah, well, we have a template of what a female body looks like and we have a template of what a male body looks like. So I, I just think of like the eighties Shira where it's like Bo and He-Man are both just like white muscle guys, you right. know? And that's like, that's masculinity. And then Shira and the other sort of nubile young female characters have this like hourglass figure, you know, and that is what a woman looks like. And I think that one of the things I love about this anime, I think it's both a, an artistic choice and an anim- and the style of animation is that there's no sense of like, this is a woman body. This is a man body. This is a, it's the, the it's definitely more open and fluid as to what these different shapes represent, you know, and who people are. Um, and I find, I find that very visually interesting. And it also is like from, a, from the perspective of somebody who wants art to be accessible and interesting and engaging to a lot more people who maybe, you know, don't necessarily see themselves reflected in cartoons or in other art. Like, I think it's really cool to have that. It, to your point, like I, I think uh, you watch those old Shira episodes. It's everyone is white except maybe one character, right. and it's 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 debilitating. I saw so many different skin tones in this, mm-hmm. yes. and that in itself is such a big. Like I saw like olive skins. I saw like just like really gingery skin. Like I just saw like every sort of a gambit of that, and it was really cool. Like, and, and I think they made an active effort of that, especially in the redesigns that they did. Like it, it, it just, it looks great. And it's nice to see that honestly, because you don't get that a lot, even with even like modern day, like kids cartoons, you don't see that ever. Really. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you see different hairstyles. Right. That's another thing. And, and I, and you know, I think there are people who are like, uh, oh, hairstyles, whatever, but it's really important. You know, you have different, not just hair colors, but different hairstyles. And it's not just like, okay, well, all the female characters who are young have like big flowing hair. Right. You know, and all the dudes have like, I mean, he, he man's haircut is horrible. <laughs> like, let's just say it. Like in, in the yeah. old. That, like Scandinavian Swedish bowl cut. What? Yeah. Is like that? a Tom of Finland, like gone awry sort <laughs> of disgust. statement. Ugh. Yeah. Um, that helmet hair. Oh, but, uh, and I, and, and I think that there is a certain queerness that was very like sub you know subconscious in old he-man and she-ra that becomes like very conscious you know and very deliberate right um and that choices are made specifically for that reason i mean i don't want to read i mean i'm going to read intent in there um because that's that's my privilege as a podcast guest um (laughs) (laughs) work that privilege yeah yeah but you know how people how th- how these th- things are drawn, how hair is shown, how mm-hmm. clothing is. I mean, that's all like really important, um, just as important to the character development, but also to like the audience. Like Bo refuses mm-hmm. to wear a shirt fully. He won't ever fully wear a shirt. And I applaud him for that. You know, and that's his choice. Why, like why would he? Yeah. He's a svelte. Yes. He's a svelte lad. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Even people who aren't that? svelte can. Yeah walk yeah. around half well we saw that in this too i love mm-hmm. it yeah. i'm talking about that from my own personal shame <laughs> that i will never wear a midriff oh, so i'm jealous. i'll watch you in a so midriff you're like there's a the cummerbund is there as a 
as a more of a I'm just trying to keep it all a in. truss <laughs> a truss yeah just really trying to you know <sighs> men's cummerbunds by Spanx <laughs> I love to see all you right. in like an over the shoulder sort of thing show off those clavicles you know what yeah. you have a beautiful like complexion Sean uh-huh. you okay. have these like cute freckles Show it off. All right. Yeah. No. Well, I, I appreciate it. So <laughs> uh, that's a lie. No, I do. I do. I, I do. But at the same time, I'm I'm also just gonna wear a t-shirt and jeans all the time. I'm just... <laughs> that's also your choice, and I mm-hmm. like that. Very comf- mm-hmm. very comf, very mm-hmm. comfy in this. Uh, you got a soft butch thing going on, and I like oh it. Oh my god. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I will say that um, we have a lot of this animation style, and I, I know that I've talked a bit about this before on Homo Superior. Uh, this is done by the same production company from DreamWorks that had recently concluded and finished up their run of a reboot of Voltron. I think that DreamWorks has done an incredible job with the animation that they have done for Voltron. And a lot of that same influence and art style has kind of trickled into what they're doing with She-Ra. Uh, case in point, you'll see that like Glimmer and some of the characters every once in a while have like a small kind of piece of color possibly like Mm -hmm. over a nose you see that every once in a while in voltron as well so uh similar production houses similar art styles i it's fine because i love the voltron art style itself it's also been noted that noelle stevenson had said that this is partially influenced by a little bit of anime as well which you can definitely see and there is sort of that innate cal art style that you see that is is prevalent but I think the thing that Lura had mentioned, which is great, is that you can actually very distinctly see where they have aged these characters to make them appropriate for where they are mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their 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 period and time in, in life, in terms of what they're doing. And so we have older characters, as Ryan has mentioned, that are scaled appropriately. You know, and the challenge that we had with the original Shira is that so many of these characters were just copy paste of each other because they were molds for toys that they were trying to sell. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that this show is saying, I don't give necessarily a fuck about selling toys. We're just trying to create a great show that has you know, a lot of diverse characters that includes a lot of these different types of, of everything. People aren't cookie cutter to, to what you see. And that should be reflected in this show and in the art that we see as well. And so mm-hmm. I, I love the animation style for this. I, I really can't get enough of it. Uh, it's, it, it feels sort of like when Voltron kind of finally was over, I, I was kind of thinking, oh man, I, I really loved everything that I watched for so many seasons. And then she came on and I was like, and I'm back, I'm back in the wheelhouse of where I wanted to be. So <laughs> thank you for doing this. And, and DreamWorks has just been killing it in terms of the animation and the, uh, the work that they've been doing with Netflix anyway. So it's great to see just so many things just doing such a great job over and over and over again. We have talked and we have begun to discuss some of these characters. And, and we've talked a little bit about the OG Shira and the, the new Shira mm-hmm. that we have. And so as we sort of transition into this character discussion, we're going to kind of uh, facilitate this in a way where we're, we're going to kind of focus on a couple characters first, but then we're also going to lightning round on a couple mm-hmm. of the characters that you might also super love and be familiar with. And so I really kind of wanted to get your impressions um, about the Adora Shira character and sort of uh, how you felt about this new uh, branding and idea for Shira and Adora, and, and and was there a, a compare and contrast that you had from the original Laura? So when we meet Adora, she is in a training session um, 
at the Fright Zone, which is where the Horde live. Right. So Sounds Fright great. Zone, yeah. right? Mm. Maybe, How do you maybe not? hire a branding Ooh. expert, yeah. okay? They just need better PR. Yeah. yeah. Shadow Weaver, come on. Come yeah. on. <laughs> um, so we, we meet Adora, and she is, like, kicking ass. She is, like, jumping and running. She's punching a, a punching bag. She's very powerful, <laughs> right? She jumped over a hole. Yeah, she yeah. jumped like she's fighting like she's they're doing these drills uh to sort of like ward off invaders. Yeah. And it reminded me of a couple things. It reminded me of Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Mm. Yes. Like that kind of female badass mm, like yeah. and also the Emily Blunt character from um that movie with Tom Cruise like Die <laughs> Another Day or something. Oh yeah. Right? I love that. It gave me Super Troopers vibes too a little bit. <laughs> oh, really? yes, yes. Way, okay, yeah. I could see that. Um, so I love that intro to Adora. I love that you see her in this very powerful character who's like very well trained, has a lot at stake, right? Like she's been tapped by Shadow Weaver to be like kind of the next leader of the Horde. Um, and so we see kind of like what she has to lose by going over to the side of the resistance. Um, and so I, I love that setup for her in that it created stakes right off the bat. And we also saw kind of like what a badass she is, right. you know, and why she might feel, have some inner turmoil and some conflict about going over to the side of good. Cause she doesn't, she's grown up and she's been raised by shadow weaver, you know, who is a shadow in a cloak and very scary, but the only mother that Shira or Adora has ever known. Right. Seems trustworthy. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's, um, any parental figure with the word shadow in it, <laughs> trust them. Implicitly. Yeah. She weaves shadows. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, it comes up in maybe like the sixth episode where she's really struggling with that relationship with Shadow Weaver, you know, and what it means to kind of leave that behind. And somebody says, like, maybe because she was like your mother figure, you know? And right. I mean, it becomes very explicit, but um, I think that it rounds out the character of She-Ra and makes her very real and relatable. Um, right. And so then from that flows, you know, her relationship and her conflict with and friendship with Katra, you know, her friendship and conflict with... Um, glimmer and then what's at stake when she f discovers that she has this secret power right which i think in the original is sort of played as a 100 percent good thing you know like you just and 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 i think as a as a human you imagine like oh if i found out i had a secret power like that'd be fucking awesome but what if that secret power puts you in the position that you can't go back to the only life you've ever lived right where you were set up to be like the next leader, you were successful, you were like really great at it, and everything you knew was a lie. And you have to sacrifice so much in order to go mm -hmm. in that potential destiny that has been right kind of outlined for you, right? You know, and and I I felt like it was a very it was much a much more realistic kind of take on the what that experience would be like. Um, especially versus the the 80s version and 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 then when you because because then you you sort of see the cultural differences between the horde and the fright zone and then the resistance in these little communities and and you learn that adora has never been to a party she doesn't know what a birthday is right 
And so, and she doesn't know what a horse is. And that's my favorite moment in the entire, where she's like, what? That is is that. my favorite moment. Beyond. You know, and like any girl, I don't know how it is. Like you guys can tell me if you ever went through. Did you go through a horse phase? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we all, so did you go through a horse phase? (laughs) Uh, What'd you want? Like a machine gun or something? No. Because I wanted a horse. I wanted a horse. I hit my microphone and it's making noises. (laughs) You wanted um, you wanted a horse. I wanted a horse, and so and and there's a whole thing about horse girls, you know, which I never was because my parents couldn't afford to actually get me a horse. Laura, speak on this because they have such a bad stigma. But I felt like so many girls were actually like horse girls. Oh yeah, well and, you, and boys mm-hmm. and boys, I want girls and boys. So even <laughs> if your parents can't get you a horse, there is girls literature, and there are I will say young adult literature. Mm-hmm and toys and everything around horses and you know some people say like oh you know it's just like you're you're sort of projecting like your nascent teenage sexual desires onto this animal that you can take care of i think it's more like freedom right freedom mm-hmm. and horses are beautiful and they have long ponytails, mm-hmm. ponies, ponytails. Oh my god. Right. You just, did you just get that? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm a bit of a Shira. I'm a dummy sometimes. <laughs> like I just thought it was a name. <laughs> um, you know, and and just like, oh, you can braid them, you can ride them, like it's free. Um, and so I don't see being a horse girl as a bad thing. Um, and like Shira has this moment of being like, what is this magnificent creature? And it is just this horse munching on some grass. Right. And um, it's like, oh, yeah, horses. If you've never seen a horse, how fucking amazing would a horse look to you? Probably crazy. Probably, like, really unbelievable. You know, like a like a crazy beast that you're like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, I had, <laughs> I watched My Little Pony when I was a Oh, yes, My Little Pony. Kid. Of course. Mm-hmm. And that always sort of. Are you oh, a, are you a, what, what is it when they? No, I am a not. A, I am not okay. a brony. I'm not a brony. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I watched it when I was a kid and I think I had maybe like one or two of the, the figures mm-hmm. of like the smaller figures that they had. Yeah. Um, as an adult though, I don't know what changed in me, but I am terrified of horses. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like oh. to psychoanalyze that for oh. the rest of the podcast. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll let's be honest. Dive and, into that. I'll be honest, mm. and I can, because I can tell you what it is. Uh, it's the whole idea of being thrown from an animal and being injured. Mm. Uh, what? You don't like that? Yeah. yeah so that a fear, <laughs> a fear of impotence. <laughs> it, I don't oh. know. I, it's just a. I God, think we hit know. something. You know what? <laughs> I'm just gonna say yes. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. And continue. Who, as a male, who isn't concerned about impotence? Girl. (laughs) (laughs) True. That is like the ultimate diss that you could be like, well, are you impotent? Like, even for gay guys where it's not as much of a a problem, but like, Okay, settle down, Ryan. Hey. Do you think gay guys have more boners? Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) Um, Or just less impotence? Um, yes. Yeah, Settle in. Let's just, yeah. just, un- just, just unpackage this. this. Yeah. I think gay guys have the same amount of boners. They just mm-hmm. use them in more constructive ways. I'm looking at you, Sean. All right. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So I'm, I'm nodding like that, you know. 
that could make sense. I would like to speak on how I felt about She-Ra. Okay. <laughs> how did you feel you, about You the... have the floor, brother. Kroll. Thank you. Um, so she She-Ra, when I first met her, I was not having at all. Um, she was super military, and I thought this was going to be a bland sort of one-note character where she was only about the mission, sort of like the 80s version. So I was not – I wasn't super into her. Then I sort you sort of like see her relationship with Katra, and you're like, okay, maybe she's a great friend. There's some legs there. And then we get into when she actually leaves the Horde, and she's sort of stranded, and she becomes so – goddamn fun and funny that mm-hmm. like she won me over so much like obviously that horse moment where she was super into like knowing what horses were like she's kind of just a dummy too and like in the best possible way like mm-hmm. she's well-meaning dummy that has all this power she doesn't know what to do with it. yes i loved that that it's, she has no idea how to use it there's been there were so many circumstances where she like had this power she's like well why don't i just punch like very hulk-esque yeah. <laughs> it's it, it was super fun and it's nice to see her this this sort of like main character like alpha female like in this role and just not know what to do with it i loved mm-hmm. it yeah mm-hmm. i it's i really, want it's to like, see it, it's like a pairing of the coming of age uh trope and the magical girl trope mm-hmm. together at the same time yeah it, and and we see it every once in a while I, I would say maybe like sabrina the teenage witch yeah you know uh mm. also on netflix gang we're also not sponsored by netflix but netflix if you're listening we would love to talk wink uh, <laughs> uh, it's but it was it was nice to see. I really enjoy her as a fellow dummy. It just was ne- refreshing, <laughs> just refreshing to see on the screen. You it's know just really I mean? amazing that when we set up all the equipment tonight to be able to record, Ryan punched the microphone. <laughs> no more. I than- thought it was a monster. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see equal representation of dummies. Yes, it's Ooh. true. Mm-hmm. Well, we we got a lot of dummies in this, and we'll get into more. But like, Bo's a dummy. Seahawks a dummy. I Glimmer's just love kind him. of a dummy. Glimmer is a little dimmer than she appears. Oh, <laughs> did you write that down? Yeah, no, I wish. So <laughs> I I love the, like the vulnerability of these characters, right? And I think part of that's part of the dumbness is like they really are not masters of the universe, right? They're just <laughs> Right. Take you, that, he man. Do you like how I did that? <laughs> it was so um, good. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're not masters of the universe. They are people with powers, but they are people with relationships. Like yeah. no, nobody ever wins by just being like, "I'm a fucking princess," or like, "I have these magical powers." It's always like a relationship that they have, or like they are working together. Plus some powers, yeah. but sometimes their powers are to their detriment. Correct. Yeah. Like when, um, yeah, there's a the episode where they're I forget the name of the city they're in, but she was being kind of haunted by that voice from um, Shadow Weaver and tries to sort of like shoot her like sword beams to destroy it, and it's like you can't destroy the voices of self doubt right. with with like physical violence. Yeah. Right. Good. Yeah. Yeah, and then and and you see her sort of learn that in a very like literal way. It's I I loved it that these were princesses with power, and they hated it. Like no one was like living for it really. 
They were just dealing with their issues at hand. They didn't want these powers. But they're not like looking to give up their power. No, no. They're not like, oh, me? Power? Yeah. I couldn't, you know. And I think maybe the best best, uh, illustration of that was uh, Perfuma, where she is very, you know, she doesn't want to use her her powers um, to go on the attack. Mm -hmm. She really just constantly, she really wants to, to kind of help her people. She really kind of wants to focus on her community. That's really what she knows. It's really where her, it's, it's her wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to go outside of that. She doesn't want to go on the offensive. Uh, and it takes talking to a lovable dummy of Adora, who's kind of like, we're going to punch stuff, where she's finally, towards the end of it, she's like, you know what? I, I can step up. I can, I can go above and beyond where I am right now. You really feel like there's character development and growth for a lot of these characters. Totally. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, uh, she was the main character, but I feel like Catra, it's pretty much just well, talk, her story as well. Uh, let's just yeah. talk about Catra. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. Let's talk about Catra, and then we're going to do our lightning round that we have for characters. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All Go right. For it. Catra, I, she was inherently just so captivating. It, it's such a sad character that is just trying to make the best of the opportunity at hand she's never had to step up before and like the fact that she did like it you were rooting for her like she was making terrible decisions but like it was such a relatable character right it, compared to the 80s tv show where it just went it just like weird fucking cat sounds the entire right. time it, it's amazing what they did <laughs> i could have used a little more like eartha kit like Catwoman, like just a little bit more like I could have used a little bit more of it, but mm. I enjoyed Katra as a whole. Like she, she just stepped up her <laughs> pussy so much, and I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I find it so interesting that the the character Katra really is sort of, as you mentioned, kind of stepping up. But she's she's really fighting for power and for status, and she has never had to really. She's been worried and concerned about status, especially when Adora is named Force Captain. That's like that first moment, you know, during that training session that we're, when we have that first introduction to Adora, where suddenly we see that there might be some resentment or there might be some jealousy. And it's very interesting to see that, you know, suddenly that's kind of been introduced into the dynamic that they've had because they've, they've grown up together. They've been, you know, young children. They've, they've grown up in the fright zone under Shadow Weaver's rule. This is all that they know, and they're at this part where they're just like, "What? What do we do? Like, what's next? The only thing really next is to become Force Captain. That's it." And and Katra really kind of comes off as sort of that, like, "I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not really interested in it." But by the end of it, it's like Katra's way more invested than like Adora ever really is. And I mean. Like- it she becomes, changes so much that it's it's such a weird shift that I love to see. In there. It's fantastic. And it really becomes like one of those things that she gets that little taste of power and like absolute power corrupts absolutely. And she just doubles and triples down on that to the point where it you know, like she has that one comment uh, where somebody says to her, like, don't you know that like we're the bad guys? And she's like, doesn't matter. Get rid of him. We'll do whatever we want later on. And you're like, oh, she really doesn't give a shit. Like she just wants to be in charge. She now just wants that that power, that respect. Like she doesn't care if she's good or she's bad. She just wants status. And I think that that's what's so fascinating about the Catra character. 
I find Catra to be tragic. Mm. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and I think it on a couple levels. One, you know, it's set up that she's raised with um, Adora. They're like siblings in this dysfunctional family, but she's always second fiddle, right? Like she's, you know, Adora is this golden child. Her name is literally Adora. Yeah. You know, she's going to be forced captain. Um, Shadow Weaver is mean to Adora, but is like really mean to Catra. Like doesn't think Catra has anything to contribute. And so Catra is trapped in this pattern of wanting to win Shadow Weaver's approval and can never win it, right? And thinks, okay, well, if I escalate and I do this and I do that, if within the system of values that I was raised in, I, you know, am even worse or I hurt more people or I damage this or I damage that, maybe I will win that approval. It is like this toxic relationship. And what we've seen with Adora is that if you take someone out of that and show them what real friendship is, you know, what it is to be loved truly and to be supported and to have that kind of safety that you don't have to be that way, you know, that, and I think it breaks down this idea of characters being inherently evil or inherently good, right? Because Adora was fine being a, a horde captain, like a forced captain for the horde. Absolutely fine with it. Thought that that was the best thing you could be that uh, the people of the resistance were these like violent um, insurgents uh, and, and there, she had no qualms about leading a force to go and like put down a so-called rebellion. Mm-hmm. But she, by happenstance, switches over into this other world and finds out that there's more to life. And Katra doesn't have that opportunity. So Katra, having like been raised in this dynamic now, is like, okay, well, my friend abandoned me just like everybody else. You know, I have this terrible like parent parental figure. So yeah, I'm going to double the fuck down. You know, like what am I going to do? Go over to the resistance and be second fiddle to Adora again. But I still love her. I love her and I hate her and I'm angry. And now I find Catra like really tragic. Um, And I will, I will footnote this and say, I've not watched the whole season yet. So maybe there's a Catra arc that I am not privy to yet. That's the flavor I bring to this podcast is of the slightly less prepared person. No, no, not at all. But if you're watching this and you're about seven episodes in and you're thinking, (laughs) what happens to Catra? I'm with you, friend. She's inherently tragic the entire time. Yeah. If that helps. Right. Spoiler. It's and, gonna and, continue. And it's, it's gonna all, continue for the next six episodes. Yeah, and, and she's and, and she's seasons, bad, but yeah. it's it's all bravado. Yeah. You yeah. know, I I and um the trope in uh in like movies and books aimed at teenage girls of uh best friends and then one of them becomes best friends with somebody else yeah. is a classic. And I love that Noelle Stevenson is tapping into this. Like my so-called life is a great example of that. Right. You know, Angela is friends with Sharon, you know, and they're like childhood friends. And then Angela decides I'm going to be friends with Rayanne. Um, I'm, I'm getting a blank look from Sean, so I'm not sure if he's seen no, it. No, no, I, I have watched it. Okay. It's a I, I great it. show. And it happens in a lot of other, yeah. a lot of other me. And so I feel like it's tapping into, like I had emotions about like, about friendships 
you know? Totally. And like, I think that we like culturally don't give enough attention to like friendships as relationships. Totally. Right. Have, have, you, have, have, you, have you ever broken up with a friend? Yes. It's devastating. Yeah. It's hard. It, it is it, devastating. And there's no, and there's no like cultural language around it. Like if you gotten dumped by like a partner, yeah, people would be oh, like, oh, I'm so sorry. But your friends, uh, it's but, more but you, me. It's not you, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, but you yeah. broke up with Ryan, a friend. Ryan, I'm also breaking up with you. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, well, no. On the pop. Well, the now podcast. I don't know who to comfort. <laughs> um, me. Neither. <laughs> Rude. Uh, <laughs> um, but also like you see the breakup, the mm-hmm. friendship breakup, and then Ketra like moves on to a new friend, Scorpia. Scorpio? Scorpia. 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 I mean, kind of, but Scorpia is clearly not on the same level. No, exactly. And so she becomes the sort of like domineering sort of mean character to mm-hmm. her. And it just like starts the cycle all over again. You see yeah. the cycle of abuse. Yes. Right. It's true. It's this, outrageous. This Shira is fucking deep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a lot. There's mm. a lot that's here. As we mentioned, <laughs> we are going to do a very, very quick lightning round for some of these characters. So these are just going to be very snap impressions, judgments, ideas, everything that we have about this. So I'm going to start this off. We'll just go Laura, Ryan, me, Glimmer. Uh, insecure. Hmm. Uh, newbie. Yeah, really kind of like, com- like she's sort of a lot of the distillation of coming of age for me mm-hmm. uh, in terms mm-hmm. of what's going on. Bo. Goofy but sweet. Reminds me of the boyfriend that I moved in with too early, but he's a sweetie, but a dummy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, aloof, but just you, he, well intentioned. Mm-hmm. A human Real. puppy. Oh yeah. yeah. I would. Uh, what would you say about Perfuma? Oh, she was totally like a La Leche League Whole Foods mama. Uh, I only feed my children non-GMO foods. Her dog is vegan. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I, her dog is a totally vegan. I love her. I really like her, but I I'm worried for her like Coachella phase because I think <laughs> oh. she's going to become like a Ooh. terrible person. Ugh. No, she. I it, wish her the best though. You know, I, I do think like her. She's going to inspire some Coachella fashion. Oh, totally. I really, mm-hmm. really do love her character, but I also think I've seen her at my yoga studio teaching Kundalini, and um, could be too much for me. Yeah, that was me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Could be. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> Your alter ego. Yeah, I was wearing a full wig, lace front. Yeah. <laughs> Mermista. Mindy Kaling, mm. as a. Princess, <laughs> for spot on. You're oh, so man. right. Yeah, it's. T- I I loved her. I mm-hmm. I loved her dynamic with Seahawk as well. Mm, yes. Attitude for days. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Loved just how uh, just unsure she was about everything, and just she was definitely me at that moment where she's like, I don't know that I want to go to this party right now. I think mm-hmm. I'll just stay home. Mm-hmm. Aubrey Plaza vibes from. Oh, oh yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually April Ludgate. Yes, very from, uh, true. Yeah. And Aubrey Plaza in real life, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's not acting surprisingly. Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Real. I love her. Seahawk. We've talked about him. We all love him. Seahawk. Um, okay, so my notes about Seahawk <laughs> say uh, <laughs> Ryan is bubbling right now. Seahawk is a gay ass pirate and a Scottish Lando Calrissian. <laughs> Oh, it's so right. And I'm, I'll take it as a compliment because I just identify with him so uh-huh. much. Just doesn't know when to shut up. And like, just outrageous. 
terrible facial hair. I love him. But also very sexy. Oh, so into it. Mm-hmm. He is the male gem in the holograms. Just truly outrageous. For just real. fucking insane. <laughs> Minus synergy. His yeah. synergy yeah, is just uh, burning ships. I know so many best messy gay guys that are exactly him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, oh, and some of my best friends. I love. But them. instead yeah. of a sea shanty, what are what are these guys singing? A uh, just different things. Yeah, they're just they're just, <laughs> they're just singing karaoke at town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. Oh. Entrapta. Oh, Entrapta's the the geeky computer one. Um, I guess I just was sort of like, okay, uh, I don't have a I don't have a huge impression of Entrapta. I think she's okay. funny. I think she's you know I love how her ponytails are actually fingers that can type. Yeah. Um, and I like how she's just like, oh, human interaction. How amazing. <laughs> pretty good impression. Um, that was pretty good. Thank you. Uh, I, I like to see the other side of the coin with her, uh, where you're, you're just like, oh, okay. You don't care about allegiances. You'll just go whatever benefits you. Right. And not in a malicious way. Just no, in she's a, a chaotic like, neutral. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. She's a very her. chaotic neutral character. Mm-hmm. I found that she was very insightful, curious. Mm-hmm. I love that she was interacting with sort of the first one's tech that really brought a lot of information, mm-hmm. a wealth of information sort of about the the land, the history, everything that they were doing. So I appreciated that, what she brought. I just thought that she was crazy too. It was so I, fun. I like seeing more people on the Horde side too. Yeah. So right. that, that's important, I feel like. If you love steampunk mm. and you love I the Powerpuff Girls, Ugh. you'll love Entrapta. <laughs> I thought you yes. were pitching us another podcast that had to do with The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the fact that she's actually going to legitimately think about this. Mm-hmm. Mm. I need more hobbies. So yeah. this is very, very good recommendation. Speaking of hobbies, mm. how are you feeling about Scorpio? Scorpio. Okay. Oh. So I grew up in the Midwest I know a lot of very strapping upper Midwestern ladies where you're like, is that a queer haircut mm. or is, or are you just very like a salt of the earth? <gasps> I was literally going to say salt of the earth. Yeah. Were you <laughs> yes. really? I, a thousand go. percent. Yes. You know, cause she's so salt of the earth. She's so just like, Oh, uh, Oh, well here we are at the party and I am going to. Yeah. Oh, these clumsy claws always get in my way. Right. But Ugh. I would, but also she's got this like very Brigitte Nielsen, mm-hmm. like 1980s kind of like broad shouldered. Like Red Sonia. Yeah. What's that? Red Sonia style. Yes. Brigitte Nielsen. Yes. Oh yes. 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 Um, kind of like the, the platinum, um, you know, it's like shaved on the sides, longer on top yeah. haircut. It's, it's like fucking hot. Yeah, but she's the, just hot. She's yeah. hot, you know. And then she's like trying on these different outfits for the princess prom, and yeah. it's like, okay, that was a very fun and rewarding moment to kind of see her go through that whole process. That whole episode is so rewarding, and it calls back to like John Hughes movies, yeah. to like it really all does, kinds of yeah. other things. It just flips it on its damn head mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love mm, her. Mm, mm. All right, we're gonna go. So through. That was my Scorpia. Did you have a Scorpia? Uh, uh clip, clip. <laughs> That was her claws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think Laura knocked it out of the park for yeah. me. And also I did as well. Yeah. Yes. 
It was a shared endeavor. <laughs> I really think that Laura and Ryan knocked yeah, out of the park with me. I have nothing additional right, yeah. to contribute. I don't mind sharing credit don't be part with of the lesser yeah. people. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> holy, crap, holy crap. I, I'll take it. I'm more powerful and I'm dumb. <laughs> a rising tide lifts all stupid boats. <laughs> that all sounds right. like a Seahawk quote. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get too far. Okay. I don't want to get too far into... Uh, the cast because I know that uh, Lura hasn't met all of the princesses yet. But Go for I, it. I want to throw out the the last one that we have for this is Frosta. Mm. Well, I met her. In I the, know. Oh, okay. Um, you know that movie Hannah, where the girl has been raised by her father to be like us, like a total with Saoirse Ronan. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Where she's a fighting machine who yes. knows nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like the young uh, um, clan leader in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That like, is who she is. It is like this 12, don't underestimate me, 12-year-old badass mm-hmm. situation. I love all these female characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. There's not just like one like fem- female badass. They're all badasses in their own way. She, she just harkens back to like, you, ever, you just have like that one cousin. You know that one cousin that's just like super hard as nails mm-hmm. and you're like, who hurt you? But I wouldn't change a thing because you are just <laughs> tough as fuck. And that's they what Frosty is. get what they want. They're, everyone's got one family member like that. And Everybody's she got a Frosta. is that mm-hmm. family member. She is killing it. Age does not mean a thing to mm-hmm. her. Yeah. No. She's probably the most powerful of the bunch too. And very serious, very focused, yeah. and dedicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially steeped in tradition mm-hmm. in terms of what was there for what were for our introduction to her. So I, I love kind of seeing a lot of these different personalities that we have for these princesses that are in this show. We are gonna move on mm-hmm. and we're gonna talk a little bit about the plot. We are not gonna go beat by beat in terms of the discussion for the plot. That would take way too long. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Laura has mentioned, she has watched the first seven episodes of season one. Ryan and I have watched all of season one. Ryan has even gone through and watched it a second time. I have cherry picked a couple episodes to go back and watch several times myself. So uh, we have a a pretty pretty good depth of knowledge in terms of what we're looking at right now but and what? shallowness of knowledge you don't you cannot continue to I sing the shallow it. stop it gang we're not i think that was 10 seconds where we cannot go past the 10 second mark yeah we're good oh, christ all right i wanted to get an idea in terms of uh in terms of the theme there are many themes uh, that are very prevalent within this over the course of the first season. And so what I wanted to understand is sort of what was, from what you've watched, what was the theme that you have most identified with so far? What was the thing that really kind of attached to you? What made you want to continue to watch this show? Laura. So the theme slash themes that resonated for me the most were were all about this balance between um maintaining your friendships and being a good friend and needing to lean on your friends, but also needing to become who you are and Mm -hmm. sort of like coming of age, growing into yourself. Um, And the challenges that that presents when maybe the friendships that you've had aren't necessarily, you know, kind of aligned with who you're going to become. And we see that with glimmer and bow, you know, we, and, and um, we see that with, of course, with Adora and Catra. Um, There maybe there are others, but I think, you know, those, 
those themes come up and I think they're handled in really interesting, sympathetic ways. Um, and people like talk about it. They're not just like, I hate you. You know, I mean, catch her a little bit, but they're also, there's like a depth to it. Right. You know, that, that, you know, maybe isn't necessarily there in, in a lot of, uh, like earlier, ep- like eighties episodes of this show. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. For me as, uh, as a growing up little gay boy, um, the thing that I looked at the show and I really thought was prevalent basically on both sides, both Katra and as well as Adora was isolation. Uh, you feel it in two very, very different ways and people approach it in two different ways. So being isolated and being stuck in a place that you maybe want to break out of. And I think uh, we'll, we'll bring up some of the queer themes later, but seeing that um, in sort of like the introverted sort of trying to break out of the shell sort of way that Katra is doing. And then you also see this in the way that Adora is doing as well, where she's seeing a sort of a new environment, she's breaking out of it and she's coming out the end in sort of a positive more mm-hmm. rejuvenated sort of mm-hmm. a way. I see this coming through on both sides and I, I, I harkens back to me as a little kid. Like I would love for one of these shows to be around when I was growing up. Right. It's so inherently queer and you can see these gay themes that we'll bring up later, like throughout, but just seeing these characters have to find their journey. It, it was really inspiring. And I, and I think m- more like, growing up gay kids just should just watch a show because it's really empowering and it's just feels so different than anything that really goes on and especially mm-hmm. in like a saturday morning type of cartoon situation right. like you don't see this anymore and it, it it really just made me go back to that little boy in a nice way because you you come through it and you like come out of it and i i felt my little like small little introvert self come out of my shell just watching it because mm. I, I really felt that theme throughout the entire thing. And it's really a story of like coming out of things and making the best of it. And it a true story of like it gets better. Mm-hmm. I, re- mm. I really feel like that's the general theme for me when I was watching it. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think we actually might be three for three just in terms of themes because that, that theme of friendship with Katra and, and sort of the the idea of sort of growing apart and growing up. And, and we talked about it earlier, like, have you ever broken up with a friend? And that's that's hard. That's challenging. And a lot of times, friendships that I've had, they just kind of dissolve over a longer period of time. And, you know, there's there's no easy way to kind of triage that. There's no easy way to kind of handle that. There's no social norms or language around potentially just saying, like, we might be going in different directions. And that's okay. And we should be all right with that. There could be potential changes. Why not just be, why not embrace them? Why not be all right? Uh, And it's hard because there's a part of you that's Mm -hmm. like, I had a shared experience and I have that as an anchor and I want to latch onto that. And I want to talk about those times when things were really good, you know, right now when they might be good, or I want to talk about them right now in the future when things might not be great, Mm -hmm. you know, as a reminder. And so it's, it's hard. I think that, that that relationship kind of continued to bring me back into the show uh, episode after episode to kind of see how um, Catra was going to try to understand sort of the position and the status that she had and sort of how Adora was going to understand this sort of new life that she was building into. So that was very interesting for me. 
Another thing that was very interesting for me is sort of the change that we had from the original She-Ra to the reboot that we have for mm-hmm. She-Ra. Um, and I wanted to ask, what was one change from OG to the new, to the new, new that you, you watched and you were like, this is a concept, an idea, something that they've created for this new show that I'm really enjoying, that I really like, that's very interesting to me. Um, so I will say in general, I just loved that the arc of the season, that there was a season arc, mm-hmm. right? That, um, you know, cause in the old, in the, in the old version, in the OG She-Ra, it's just like each episode is its own little crisis. You know, they're like, got to rescue somebody or something's been stolen or whatever. It's like a video game fetch quest. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like 23 minutes of, you know, that it's, that stands alone. Right. Right. Um, and maybe maybe there's a two-parter once in a while. Um, sure. But in this uh, new She-Ra, like there's a there's an arc over the season, and also like smaller character arcs within that larger seasonal arc. And I just loved. I mean, I'll go back to saying like, this is like the She-Ra for the era of prestige television, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, this is competing not just against like other kids' cartoons for eyeballs, but like other shows on Netflix, right? Other things that we as adults in our thirties might be watching billions. Hello. Uh, first of all, can I say Paul, Their numbers are so Paul, yeah. Paul Giamatti, if you're listening, please do a cameo on She-Ra princesses of power. And Gilbert Godfrey as well. And then my, my <laughs> and then my sexuality comes full circle. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I, that's what I, that's one thing I really found satisfying about this. Like I couldn't watch more than a few episodes of OG She-Ra. You're not wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you're just like, and that was the thing that was so disappointing to me because I had so many good memories and they came on Netflix and I started watching it. I was like, this is not good. Uh-huh. But this I would recommend to my parents. Mm-hmm. I recommend like when my niece, my niece is four, when she gets to be like six, I would be like, she could be, she could watch this. You know, oh, yeah. and it would operate on a level that she could be cool with and that she would could grow into also. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, the t- taking the approach of having a more cast of uh, storytelling mm-hmm. was much needed. You needed to see more fleshed out from everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> other right. than just Adora just killing it every single time. Um, I like the the not addition of He-Man whatsoever. Mm, yes, very good. I would love them to throw out his name and say, nah, we're good. Like, I... Somebody I, says He-Man, everybody's like, who's that? That sounds dumb. Is I don't know him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, really. He not. does not have the range. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I would love that. Uh, but that those were phenomenal points. Uh, the thing that I probably liked the most was just deep diving into like their relationships. You don't see Mm -hmm. that like in many cartoons and especially uh, for something that is basically a, uh, most people won't like this. It's completely different cartoon, (laughs) right? It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it truly is. And it it has to be. I mean, I, I think that in order to establish itself and one of the biggest and strongest things that they introduce relatively early on is that this is not the first Shira. Adora is not the mm-hmm. first She-Ra. And for me, that whole idea of there's a lineage, there's a progression, mm-hmm. there are other She-Ra's that have, have come, have fought, have, have 
been contributing members to to help Etheria. I loved that idea. Mm-hmm. And it, it plays into the idea of the the technology that they have that's sort of core to this arc that we have for season one about the the technology from the first ones. And I, I love that concept that they're, you know, mm-hmm. this isn't just something that's like stuck in time, that there's an entire world that we have yet to explore, which this might be the Adora that we have seen previously. I love that. This also might not be that Adora. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you're not on, one, if you're not on board with it at this point in the episode where we're over an hour into talking about Shira, you are just, (laughs) you have died on this hill. You are hate listening to this episode. Mm. That's fine. Thanks for listening. Stew in it. Yeah. Live in it. Swim in it. Swim in it. Mm-hmm. So it it was giving me a lot of Avatar vibes, Ooh, and yeah. I have Loved all it. the time in the world mm. for Avatar. Absolutely. Have you rewatched Avatar? Yeah, yes. And Legend of Korra. Okay, I'm shocked. I said that very passionately. Yeah. I, I am shocked. I have, I've watched. I've watched the uh, Avatar. Do you think it doesn't hold up? Is that why? Oh, I haven't rewatched it. Uh, Are you but talking my about memory the M. Night Shyamalan no, 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 no. movie? No, I, I would no, I'm think... talking about the James Cameron Avatar. Oh, we are not. Ah, uh, sorry. This is, oh, this we is should be different. very precise about yes. this. Yes. This is what? a cartoon series that came out probably. Oh, my blur. God. Anime inspired. It was on yeah. Nickelodeon. Uh, it followed these four distinct nations that have like earth elements uh, aligned to them. And then. Uh, when they have an avatar, which is like the supreme, it can control all four of the elements. When one dies, it moves from element to element. And so, so it is. So, earth, wind, fire, water. Water. If you almost said heart, and I was going to cap the planet, you. <laughs> Sorry, I watched too much Buffy as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a phenomenal cartoon that they've mm-hmm. done. Uh, they, they did a first. I'm just relieved that you weren't like, yes, I've rewatched the no, James, no. James Cameron, Cameron. 3D film oh, Avatar shit. multiple times, and uh, it's worth rewatching. You know he's making four more movies. <sighs> oh, what? Of what? Of the Avatar. The same thing. What? Of Avatar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one is underwater. Oh. That's all we've gotten. Thanks, James Cameron. Oh. You know what? You know what? You, you know what James Cameron movie that's underwater that I like? Titanic. Titanic. Oh. Uh, all right, long distance high five. <laughs> clap. I wish it was. I gave you the clap. Oh, All right. Yeah. All right, moving on. Okay, moving uh, all the way on. James so, <laughs> this this next question is is sort of something that we've been we've been talking about and we've been hinting at this entire episode. I want to get into it, but I want to do this as respectfully as possible. I I am not queer. The creator and producer and showrunner Noel Stevenson is queer uh and it has been said in articles that there is a queer agenda in the show from noelle stevenson whether she was joking or being serious about it i think that we've understood that there are some queer elements that are are part of this show personally uh these are things that because of who i am i may not see or i may not understand and so as a straight ally uh, i'm trying to understand what am i missing and particularly what was your perspective Go ahead. Yeah. Ryan. I so I have a lot of thoughts on this. I was like feverishly like mm-hmm. taking notes while I was watching for no one before I knew we were doing this podcast. It was just for me. I'm <laughs> you like, knew that you this know, would happen. You know, this day like, would you know, come. You know what I'm getting a queer vibe from? And it was I was just mm-hmm. taking ferocious notes. Um so so I'll sort of just 
kind of go through the list of some stuff that's come up. Obviously, the princess prom is probably the quintessential gay, queer sort of episode where you see a lot of same-sex couples as Mm -hmm. well as just queer couples embracing each other in a bunch of different ways. Uh, a lot of a lot on the internet. We're we're talking about Katra and Adora actually being maybe in a relationship at some point. I I don't necessarily feel that. I think it's more of a friendship. I think there's clearer queer uh, couples mm-hmm. that are identified within the show. One that they've uh, I think was most prevalent was uh, which is sort of just a one off sort of comment was uh, Spinnerella and Natasha which were the sort of like the two side princesses uh, that you didn't see much of. They were the, the only ones that would show up to those council meetings. They wouldn't really do anything. There was one um, offhanded uh, comment that said uh, where they used the term darling. So there was sort it was sort of implied that they might've been together. And that is confirmed. It has been confirmed. Yes, it has been. Yes. Yes. They are, they are in a relationship. Yes. And you know what? I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh there was a lot of glaring things also from uh just the dates at at the prom episode. Mm-hmm. So obviously Adora and Katra share a ballroom dance. Mm-hmm. Uh there's Scorpia goes to the dance with Katra and sort of has this sort of like uh will you accept me sort of like mm-hmm. trying to identify moment with oh, her. So good. Uh, and and like Scorpia to be clear is like a mustached lady lobster. Like in, like with a queer cut, with like an undercut. Yes. Yeah. In like a, a fantastically glamorous gown. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! It looks. It's like everything. Yeah. She's I a prince. Lo- she's a princess. She truly. Yeah. Scorpia at the ball is like everything that you. Yeah. yeah. Everything that you want. Which is I'm, such a revelation to realize mm-hmm. that a villain is a princess. Mm-hmm. That's such a wonderful thing to introduce. So, can I ask you a question, Ryan? Yeah. What did you think of the scene where Seahawk and Bo are bonding over tying knots? How dare you read what I was about to talk about? What? Really? <laughs> I was literally, it's the next one thing I was going to talk about. Oh my God. You guys so, are two for two. So right? Bo literally shrieks mm-hmm. when he sa- sees Seahawk. Mm-hmm. Lu- like, lu- is There's blushing. A- there, he is so excited to see him. In a later episode, mm-hmm. I think he literally saves him. It's it's outright like mm-hmm. they have such a sexual chemistry there if anything they have what they call a man crush i'm rolling my eyes for that but mm-hmm. like there is something there between them do you think seahawk has zaddy vibes uh, yes yeah, yeah yes. I, I think seahawk is the zaddy of this universe absolutely um mm-hmm. turning Bo into this sort of different character than he is in the 80s version really changed up his character just like mm-hmm. point of view and I think it was it was so good. And mm-hmm. and Seahawk, I mean, look, we all like a late thirty something guy <laughs> with two with two earrings uh, and a and yeah. a haircut maybe slightly and too maybe young just for him. Breaks into song for no uh, goddamn tight reason. Tight pants, yeah, <laughs> twinkly eyes. God damn it! Uh, I was I mop up was, these chairs, and I don't know what rating this podcast is. I was slightly horny by that, honestly. Mm-hmm. It was a, such a cute interaction. It was that really made me horny. cute. Yeah, it did. Um, I loved it. Uh, also, there's an interaction between Bo when he's actually locked up mm-hmm. and Kyle, which is sort of like that weird oh, random guy that's on the yes, board side. Yes. Right. They has sort of have, have like a flirtation at some point. Um, there's there's 
almost too many to talk about. There's so many flirtations mm -hmm. between a lot of these characters. You just see a lot of screenshots of them holding each other, touching each other, embracing each other in such sweet, genuine mm -hmm. ways that shouldn't be over like thought at all because th that's what the show is trying to prove. Yeah. Um, uh, one other person that I would like to mention is Swift Wind mm -hmm. inherent queerness. Like mm -hmm. just really? those just so skeptic like those those just like raised eyebrows. He he literally went I think he identifies as a him like I he literally went through a transition and became mm -hmm. more fabulous coming out of it. I mean there's mm -hmm. there's there's something to be said there. There's a scene with Swiftwind where they're where they're like, oh, what's what's he what's this animal called? Swiftwind. Oh, we used to call him Blah. And they're like, that's a stupid name, you know? And horse, I'm, yeah, 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 horse, yeah. horsey, like, horsey. Yeah, it's like, well, that's a dumb name. And I was like, yes, that is a dumb it name. Truly, now is, yeah. this is Swiftwind. You could he, call Swiftwind no he, other than Swiftwind. He literally left a few episodes, just came mm -hmm. back, and it was like, yeah, I know myself now. Yeah, there's, there's an entire like. E subplot where Swiftwind goes and does a whole bunch episode. of horse adventures, mm -hmm. frees a whole bunch of horses, which kind of comes yeah. up randomly every once in a while. <laughs> and then suddenly he shows mm -hmm. up and is just like, Hi, I'm Swiftwind. How's it going? I, I understand myself and I'm, I'm here and I'm familiar yes. with what we're doing. So, what's up? I draw a lot of correlation for the first time I went to Fire Island. Same thing. I came back and I thought I knew everything queer What afterwards. <laughs> I didn't. But like, yeah. I am the most gay you can be. <laughs> oh, bitch. I just started saying bitch all the time. It was crazy. Yeah. It's it's an inherently queer show. And like their themes mm -hmm. are everywhere. If you want to see them or if you don't. It's still a phenomenal show. And I think. Mm -hmm. But like. But there's a lot that if you're tuned into it, you'll just turn to your viewing partner and just be like, what? That seemed gay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there's so many haircuts in this, in this show. Haircuts alone. <laughs> so yeah. many haircuts. <laughs> and I, I, I think, you know, and, and I, I, representation. Oh, and uh, gender neutral bathing suits. Absolutely. So there's a, there's mm -hmm. one specific scene where Bo is in sort of like, they're all in sort of like bathhouse garb. Mm -hmm. like, they're relaxing garb exactly, yeah. garb garb, garb, garb. <laughs> and Bo specifically actually has his chest covered mm -hmm. um and i think it's an intentional choice that was um, a moment where i was like maybe Bo is not like a cis guy yeah exactly you know, i was just like i made assumptions that i'm questioning yeah and i love this show for that yeah it's not yeah. like heavy-handed it's not a special episode it's just like dude this is life this they, is people they, they didn't need a spotlight no. or, mm -hmm. or or take time out of the episode to kind of focus on it it was just a fashion choice and people yes. were like like they were like whatever you saw like is fine mm -hmm. yeah i saw i saw interesting bathing suits you know but at the same time that's not particularly what i was looking for and that's fine and mm -hmm. little boys and girls alike could dress that way and yes what is needed and like there's some backlash online that just was saying you need to be more clear about it what are the intentions behind this and me person this is just my personal opinion but I, I think you don't have to because it's sort of doing this thing of just saying this is what is normal to us and we're mm -hmm. just living our truth yeah. and our life and not having to declare anything is beauty in itself. And I feel like if you want a show that clearly delineates the yeah. fucking gender identity of the characters just watch any other fucking show <laughs> or read any book or just be like in mainstream culture like 
Just Come watch The Wire. On. You know what I mean? Just watch just The like, Wire. <laughs> like, it's pretty clear. There's actually a lot of stuff that's There's in The Wire. There's actually a lot of queerness in The Wire. All right. Yeah. Okay. Just don't watch The Wire. Watch <laughs> anything else. Watch Lura's other podcast that she's coming out. On The don't Wire watch with Lura Barber. I just don't fell on off The Wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go on a journey. <laughs> And so will you. <laughs> and so will stamps.com. Oh my God. <laughs> Squatty potty. Squatty potty. Uh, you mean, know what's you know what's the great thing about being mm. not being a sponsor for anything is that you can drop any name mm-hmm. any point in time and nobody cares. Do you still have the lube sponsor? Uh, we are currently not sponsored by Spunk Lube. We could be. If but... Spunk Lube, if you're listening. <laughs> I can name a lot more loops to get you some screen time. Um, uh, <laughs> what is the one that's like Army Navy? Yeah, that, that's just the name. Is um, that the name of there's the There's gun loop? oil. Gun oil. That's there's, what I'm thinking of. My personal favorite is a boy butter. What? What is that about? Because it's more <laughs> of a gelatinous sort of goo you grab in your hand. It's terrifying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Gun oil is the one that I was. Oh, sex grease. That's oh. the other one. Oh, that's two on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, is that where you're putting your lube? <laughs> I don't know what I like. It's for nose play. Don't shame me. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. Oh, man. All right. Any, any final thoughts about uh, takeaways in terms of uh, perspective? Um, you know, representation, anything that you saw particularly in the cartoon that you were like, that was something that really resonated with me. That was something that I don't see in mainstream cartoons. That was something that I loved. This cartoon is genuinely funny. It's genuinely sweet. It is really great to look at. Um, and the story is really engaging. Um, I'm looking forward to completing season one. So if any, <laughs> listen, if any listeners are on the fence, I will say I'm with, I, I encourage you to get off the fence and join me in completing the viewing of season one. I think it will only get better. Well, we, we are going to get to our actual formal reviews in a second mm. because I want to, and you helped me segue perfectly into this, <gasps> is that what what is a hope or a wish from what you've watched so far mm-hmm. that you want to see in season two? What's something that you were like, I need to get this answered in the second season? In season two, I want people to fall in love. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I like that. Season two, I want less princess of the week and I want just living in the life, slice of life with these princesses. If they're, I want to see them all go to a council meeting at the beginning, mm. like maybe episode one, and then we all see their different journeys. Mm. Um, I think these princesses could be fleshed out quite a bit. And I think there's a lot more princesses out there. Give me more. Give me a thousand more princesses. There are a lot more princesses yes. that are out there in terms of the Shira world. So I don't know if there there's princesses like Sweet Pea. Uh, there's a lot of other mm-hmm. princesses that are out there. Laura. I would like to amend mine to say, I would love to see people fall in love, but maybe even more. I would mm. love to see She-Ra in the style of an Armando Iannucci show or film, like the style of Veep. Can we bring that into the She-Ra universe? You made me think of this, Ryan, when you yeah. said, let's take them to a council meeting. Yeah. 
and then follow them. Like, what if they did that, but in the style of the thick of it, right? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Noel Stevenson, if you're listening, we <laughs> will join your writer's room. I love Noel. Oh, I know you have. I know she has arcs for all these seasons. She but truly does. Is it she too is late prepared. to change? It's such a. I have just just the fact that she's planning it just gives me such a creative yeah. crush on her. It's mm-hmm. just it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love what she's doing. What do you want? Mm. I'll be honest with you. I want to know more about the first one's tech because it plays such a pivotal role towards the end of the first season. And Laura, I know you're not there, so I won't spoil anything for you. Thank you. Uh, but there's there's a lot to be said about what implications this has to their entire world and their planet. And I would love to kind of know more about what Entrapta is able to do with it and sort of what they continue to think about how they can harness these potential powers for good and for evil. And so I think mm. that there's going to be a lot of conflict uh, or potentially you know, an arms race over understanding this particular technology. And so... Uh, there's a part of me that really is invested in learning more about that, which ultimately I kind of hope answers that question about, is this the Shira that we know from the 80s? I don't think it is. Uh, is this a different Shira? I'm, I'm pretty sure it probably is the case. Uh, but I, I just, I love that question that this show has posited. I think it's, I think it's so interesting. It's very different from a lot of the other cartoons that I've watched. So I, I love just the concept, just the idea, just the question mm-hmm. that it poses, I think is beautiful and I really, I, I guarantee I won't figure this out in season two. I figured this might be a season four thing for me. So that's, that's fine, but I'm in this for the long run. So, and the way that Netflix has been turning out seasons, that will be probably sometime in 2020. So it's not like I have to wait <laughs> a long True. time for it. So, uh, so I think that that's, I think that that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. We are going to get to our reviews in a second. And I think Lura has kind of already primed us for that, so I'm excited about it. I already, which is not, I, I already fluffed it. It's not bad. It's perfect. It's perfect. Mm. So what I want to do is I want to say, hey, you listening out there. Yeah, you. Absolutely. You have opinions. And guess what? You put them on the internet, and we are going to honor them with the segment that we call Love It or Hate It. And so we are now going to turn this over to longtime listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It is titled Delightful, Heartwarming, Funny, Beautiful by Kind Journeys 14 in November 2018. Kind Journeys wrote, I can't agree with the haters. This is a delightful show. The character designs are fresh and fun, as well as being visually appealing and blessedly diverse. The backgrounds are stunning. The voice acting is superb. The script's charming, fun, funny, and moving. I like the 1980s show. I'm old enough to remember the action figures and the comics at least, but this has won my heart. There's moral complexity, wit, love, silliness, excitement, everything the best kids shows have. I'm so excited for all the children coming to Shira for the first time through this show. My 41-year-old partner and I were glued to it last night and watched the first six episodes before we reluctantly conceded we needed to sleep. Also, Jordan Fisher sings a sea shanty in it. 10 out of 10. And our hated is titled She-Ra in Name Only by Starwiz, also in November 2018. Starwiz said, This is no way anything like original She-Ra. The show's animation is so Cartoon Network show-like. The story seems so silly. The original She-Ra was better written. 
the characters in the original series were much deeper and showed a stronger female characters than this show. The jokes are lame and second rate. This show, you can change out any character for any other. There is nothing here. If you want silly jokes, watch Cartoon Network. If you want a true story, check out the original series. One out of ten. All right. So some pretty some pretty fantastic love it's some pretty strong hate it's that we're getting for Shira. I it's very challenging to say that I I disagree with somebody, but I'm gonna respectfully disagree with a lot of these hate it's. I I don't I don't feel that way. I but, will disrespectfully agree with and you. Ryan is very disrespectfully. <laughs> understood. Understood. So we we want to get into this and give our reviews. And so just for anybody listening for the first time, we can say that we recommend a show. We can tell everybody why. We can say that we're not going to recommend something. And we can also provide an explanation. If you want to go one step further after you've said you don't recommend something, you can give it the Roger Rabbit style dip, which means you erase it from the annals of cartoon history. When we do the dip, it is a majority rule. So two out of the three of us have to say that we want to dip a cartoon. Lura, I'm going to start with you. What was your impression of Shira? Is this something you recommend or do you not recommend? To say that I recommend Shira, Princesses of Power, is an understatement, Sean. I demand that everyone listening to this, nay, everyone in the United States of America, <laughs> nay, why just the United anyone States? Anyone where Netflix has reached its tentacles to tune in and watch this show. You will leave a better person because you will have a better understanding of the human condition and some great ideas for a new haircut. (laughs) There you go. I love it. Excellent. Ryan, recommend, not recommend. I would say wholeheartedly, (laughs) I recommend it. A thousand percent. It's it's a really good show. I know I talked about a lot of the queer themes. It literally is just a show you could pick up no matter what sort of your point of view is, and it'll be a great, enjoyable show. I think it's got comedy. It's got mm-hmm. some sadness. It's got some themes that aren't normally touched upon in cartoon series, I think it's got a lot of themes that you won't necessarily see. And honestly, it made me almost cry earlier on this podcast because I was talking about how it siphoned back to my childhood. I think it's a phenomenal series and you should just give it a watch. Give it a go. If you don't like it, it's not for you. It's fine. But like, at least try it out. Um, Don't let the internet deter you ever for anything. It's truly a great show. I think that that's a great perspective, Ryan, and thank you so much. I I think the biggest thing for this is that whatever people's perceptions or whatever their snap judgments are going to be about a particular cartoon, a particular piece of art, a particular television show, regardless, you should make your own impression. You should have your own informed decision. And so if this is something where you're you're looking at this and you're saying, I don't like the design of She-Ra, that's fine. Take a look at it and see it for maybe a little bit more than just the design. Maybe the story, you know, maybe the relationships, uh, maybe the new location, maybe the art style is something that resonates with you. 
that will will land and, and compel you to continue to watch the show. If you give it a shot and you say this isn't for me, that's fine. You know, nobody's but gonna you're wrong. Well, nobody's nobody's also gonna blame you and say that, you know, you didn't give it a shot. You at least, you know, made an attempt to to go out of your way and and take a look at something and examine it from maybe a critical eye. You know, maybe it was something that you're looking at it with that nostalgic anchor. Uh, and that's important. You know, there's always an innate challenge with a reboot that you have from a particular franchise or, or intellectual property that people are always going to associate whatever those those feelings are, those really mm-hmm. strong feelings that we had from when we grew up as kids with that particular cartoon, with whatever it is that you're looking at that's being rebooted. And that's fine. I think we're at the point now where we have to recognize and we have to realize that a lot of the things that we saw in those originals were not perfect. That, you know what, maybe in some cases they can use an amendment. Maybe they can use a change. Maybe they could use something that was a little bit different. And I think She-Ra and the Princesses of Power really delivers on that in terms of showing complicated relationships between characters, between showing beautiful art style, uh, between being able to show a, a cartoon that really originally showed characters, male and female, as just copy-paste of each other. And that's not how people are. And that's not, I think, how we operate as a society. And so I know that there are a lot of things that I talked about just in terms of diversity and inclusion where maybe I didn't see some of those things. And I'll say this, it's rewarding to understand tonight exactly what I missed in this show. I think that that's incredibly important for me to understand that perspective. And that's what really enriches this podcast and what really enriches my understanding of having these conversations with people. And so for that alone, I, I wholeheartedly recommend Shira. I think that this is an excellent cartoon. I think that they did an incredible job with this and I can't wait for the second season. So you've got probably about a week, week and a half uh, to be able to get ready for the second season. So if this is something that you have slept on and you haven't watched, now is the time mm-hmm. to get ready before the April 26th premiere of season two to get ready for Shira and the Princesses of Power. So that's the episode. So very excited. So very quickly, I want to thank Laura for coming on the show. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show as well. Laura, what do you have coming up? What would you like to share with the people that they can come and check you out? Anything in terms of social media where they could follow you? Um, well, you could follow my uh, protected Instagram account by direct messaging me. <laughs> or you could follow my... So I can't even request it? You can request it, but then you'll I'll have to be the decider. What a power, <laughs> what a power move. Mm-hmm. It's all about power. Um, or you could follow my Twitter account where I just follow other people and don't tweet anything. <laughs> um, and both of those are at not Laura um, because my name is not Laura. It's Laura. Laura. Yes. Um, and then uh, by the time this comes out, Probably the next shows I have will be with Knox and Washington Improv Theater. So just go to witdc.org and look at and see when Knox has shows and you can see me on stage. Um, yeah, no, there's nothing else. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Laura, for coming on. Ryan, what do you have coming up? Anything you want to plug anywhere that we can find you online? 
Uh, you can find me on Ryan, R-Y-A-N-K-R-U-L-L. That's a crazy German last name. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Just find me on Instagram, honestly. Um, that's the only place I want to. <laughs> I post every once in a while. But you can also uh, listen. If I haven't talked enough about gay stuff for you, um, I have an all-gay podcast where we talk about a bunch of nerdy stuff. It's me and four other gay guys. Uh, we're DC local, just talking about uh, fun, gay, nerdy stuff. It's a lot of Marvel. It's a lot of X-Men. It's a lot of the movies. Um, check Getting us out. in the House of X right now, aren't you? We are. We're deep in the House of X right now. Um, so, yeah, uh, check me out there. Um, and then also I perform. <laughs> I do a lot of gay things. Uh, I performed in an all-gay troupe called UGH, U-G-H. And uh, we sort of have uh, shows whenever around in D.C., so check us out there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You heard him on this episode. He is our friend of the show, Bobby Anthem. You can check him out on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him a message. Show him some love. He is simply the best. As for me, I perform live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times with dc.org. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. Want to support us? Yeah, you. Want to support us on this show? Tell a friend and review us on Apple iTunes. You can slide into our DMs at Morning Tunes. Remember, that's morning with a U. Check us out on IG and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Drop us an old-fashioned email. Yeah, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Again, morning with you. You can find all these links that I've mentioned on our link tree in our bio for all of our social media sites. And you can always listen to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back in May with more from Saturday Morning Cartoons. And so to go out tonight... Can I get all three of us to do an old school Shira Shira? Shira Shira. Perfect. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> hey everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.